God bless the city of Rock Hill. Rock Hill is such a special place. You're going to know Rock Hill from more than Football City USA. Pathways, Indoor Center, Knowledge Park. It's just a wonderful time to be in Rock Hill right now. The city of Rock Hill is one of the only destinations that fully gets it. It builds world-class venues that are better than anywhere in the United States. Hello and welcome into the Rock Hill CityCast, where we aim to keep you informed on all things going on in the city of Rock Hill. My name is Matthew Cray, along with my co-host, Ashley Studebaker. And today, for you people who like to think ahead, this podcast might be for you. We're talking to the Rock Hill Planning Department. We'll have three people on today's show, Dennis Fields, Eric Hawkins, and Matthew Thomas. First in studio, we have Dennis Fields. He is Planner 3 for the city of Rock Hill. Dennis, how's it going? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we were joking before we hopped on the podcast that is planning, do you level up? Like there's planner one, two, three. How does that work? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I'm a planner three and I had to level up and uh, got got good at doing like collecting coins like Mario. And then eventually <laughs> you get to level two and you have to defeat the boss. And now I'm at level three. So <laughs> that's great. How many levels are there? Uh, eventually three, so I'm almost game over. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Got you. Well, we're happy to have you in here uh, with us. Before we get started, we want to know a little bit about you. So we're going to ask you a fun question, and then we'll ask you some personal questions. We'll dive into uh, what we're going to talk about. So our fun question for you today is you have gained the ability to fly. Which method of flight would you rather have permanently attached to you? Wings when you raise your arms like a wingsuit, wings on your back like an angel, or a propeller on your head. Definitely the wings under the arms. You know, you ever see those videos of those guys like gliding through all that kind of stuff, like a yeah. like a flying squirrel? Yeah, it'd totally be me. Uh, <laughs> I feel like unless you're willing to have the propeller on the head, the wingsuit is the most practical. Yeah, you lower yeah, when your you arms. You can hide it too. Yeah, you can hide it. Right. Yeah, you can't go through a door sideways with big old wings on your back. (laughs) You don't want to be talking to different people while planning and, you know, just got wings on your back or something. I think personally I could deal with the propeller. Like, I I, I have enough. I can see it. I can get past. I don't don't embarrass easily or at all. I could wear a propeller on my head and just, you know, mid-conversation, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm just going to start flying up in the air. There you go. (laughs) Anyways, so uh, the wingsuit is the choice by Dennis, so... Now, um, to stray away from a crazy question, I guess you could say, how did you get to the city of Rock Hill and what you're doing as Planner 3 today? Sure. So actually, uh, I used to work for several suburb cities of Minneapolis and Minnesota, and I uh, met my wife up there, and she's originally from Alabama. As you know, there's a little different in climate uh, in Minnesota than there is down south, and we decided uh, several years ago, about six and a half years ago, we moved down here that we just really wanted to change a pace, and while our kids were young, we might as well move now before we get them into school, and they're mm-hmm. going to end up, uh, you know, getting stuck where they are because they don't want to leave their friends and other things like that. So we kind of uh, took the plunge, and uh, really was about where we wanted to move. So we ended up uh, looking around the Charlotte area. It was kind of halfway between the mountains and the ocean, and so we said, you know, let's move south, and we haven't regretted it since. And uh, yeah. Rock Hill was uh, a, a really good choice for me. We were looking as a city planner. You have to be a, kind of near cities, right? And so <laughs> uh, Charlotte area was uh, really attractive. And uh, and so we ended up, uh, I ended up applying for Rock Hill. And my wife uh, does ultrasound, so she could really kind of work wherever I found a job. And, uh, and that's how I came down here. But I've been doing uh, uh, city planning for about uh, a little over 15 years now uh, oh, wow. for this is my fourth city I've worked for. 
Well, uh, the different planning people we're going to have on today, you know, with Eric, we're going to talk about the different processes, processes, processes that go on in the uh, bringing a development to life. And with Matthew, we're talking about uh, a small business owner, uh, steps they might have to go through. I feel like you kind of have the flashy job, or at least that's the way it seems with the questions we've written, where you deal head on with a lot of different projects going on within the city. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. it. You can call it flashy. I think it's busy, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially <laughs> lately. True. But uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, we get the behind the scenes in the know, I guess, before you know things start coming out of the ground. So I, I'm going to come in hot here and I'm going to go with um kind of just go in right where um, dive in ashley di- dive I'm, dive in. In. I'm coming in hot so the panther carolina panthers headquarters is a huge endeavor um such a large project and in a very exciting one at that how does the planning department handle such a unique project so cities generally have a list of allowed uses in certain zoning districts and as you can tell an nfl headquarters facility practice facility isn't really on that list mm-hmm. right so Um, If you've been to any other headquarters facility in the country, they're kind of like little cities within a city. And they tend to have a lot of different uses, all kind of conglomerated together. They bring a lot of tourists into the city. And so there's not one zoning district, for instance, that really encompasses all of the uses and activities that will go on. And so for that particular site, uh, we did a master plan development, which is our version of a, a planned unit development. And it allows us to kind of create its own little mini zoning district, if you will, uh, and zoning ordinance for itself. And so it allows us to be flexible where we need to be flexible and allow multiple uses that wouldn't all be allowed to kind of conglomerate together, such as, you know, housing and medical offices and um, a a bunch of other things that will eventually end up being on that site. And to break that down real quick, and I'm just going to pause, if you're building a house that is in usually in residential, if you're doing a business that is... Uh, in a commercial zone. Com- commercial. Mm-hmm. This is a unique uh, designation all on its own? Yes. It's So it's very similar to like if you were to be in a single family five zoning district, for instance. This is considered a, uh, a master planned commercial zoning district, but it allows for any uses that we really put in it. So mm-hmm. we're kind of creating it specifically for the Panther site. Okay. And so... Um, but you're, but you're right. And so normally those uses, you wouldn't put a commercial building in a SF5 or single family zoning district. And so in this case, it allows us to kind of mold it to what we envision or what the Panthers really envision for their uh, overall headquarters site. So it's going to be a year round facility. It's not something that's just for the headquarters and their practice facilities. They'll use that for events all year round. They have a, a park feature that'll have uh, uh, concerts and other events and other uh, sporting activities that go on year round. And then There'll be other places and things to shop and eat and work and other there, other things there. But, of course, phase one is, you know, building the headquarters facility itself. So did someone come to you and say, hey, the Panthers want to come here. Can you plan it? <laughs> that, those, <laughs> those discussions happen before they get to my office. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, once, they, uh, once they've kind of nailed down the area, what sites there are, um, that was a property that was actually in the county. So it was, it was part of an annexation into the city limits, too. And so there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of planning involved, and a lot of that has to do not only on-site but off-site too, because there's a lot of road infrastructure improvements. You'll notice if if you start driving by 77 right now, there's actually a uh, on and off ramp interchange that's actually get, going on on the interstate just for this uh, facility. Of course, it'll tie into existing road networks, Mount Gallant and Eden Terrace, and other things like that. But all those uh, roads also needed upgrades to kind of handle the amount of traffic and and, and tourists and and visitors that will end up. 
coming here to see the Panthers. So you're busy. So we're you, busy. Yeah. What's a day look like for you right now? Um, so my job primarily now is most of our rezoning annexations into the city limits. So if a business comes in and they, they locate in a property that's already in the city, but it may not be zoned appropriately for what they want to do there, they have to go through a rezoning process. If they're a, uh, it's a new undeveloped piece of property kind of on the fringe of the city, there's a chance that it may still be located in your county's jurisdiction. And we have to then go through annexation and then rezoning to a city zoning district versus a county zoning district. And then uh, a portion of my day uh, is reviewing uh, mostly commercial development plans as well. So people will submit plans for us to take a look at. We'll put comments, make sure that they meet our zoning ordinance requirements, and then send them back comments um, to get revisions until they meet them all. And then we can issue permits for them to actually build something. Now, you guys get down in the, in the details with these type of things. With the Panthers project, what are some of the details you guys are thinking about and planning that other people it may not even occur to them or on to be on the radar sure it's it's a very unique site so we have to think about everything from you know pedestrian connections when you park your car and you're going to walk to this place or if you're driving there signage when you get off the interstate uh, into the site and then everything from our building and typical requirements from parking lots and parking structures and buildings and all that kind of stuff i mean they get down to the the feet and inches and things right and so when people walk into a building and they park in a parking lot, no matter what business is it that it is, whether it's the Panther site or you're just going to get groceries, there's a lot of thought that goes into how the parking lot's laid out, parking spaces, certain dimensions, you know, that kind of thing. When you're walking in there, what's the safest route from parking lots to the front door, that kind of thing, lighting, all that kind of stuff. So most people kind of take that for granted, and uh, we look at all of that stuff before they can even clear a tree on the site. So speaking of unique, uh, Miracle Park is also a unique project that's going on right now in Rock Hill. It's on a property that used to be a different park. Were there any planning hoops that they kind of had to jump through since there was already an establishment there before, kind of? Or It wasn't really so much of a zoning district change or anything, but it was a park that was about a quarter of the size that this park is now going to be. And it was a more traditional park you'd see like in a neighborhood where... Miracle Park is is geared toward, you know, um, for f folks with special needs, it's got to have a lot of ADA requirements. They'll have ball fields that have a special turf on them for people who are in wheelchairs. It's actually called uh, Pebble, Pebble Flex uh, mm. surface. And so most of their, uh, they have a, a couple of different court types, whether they're baseball fields or tennis or soccer that they can roll on versus grass where it's a little bit harder to do that. And then um, they have specialized uh, equipment that they would have for playgrounds, and they have a specialized, uh, a lot more, you know, ADA spaces, that kind of thing, um, to make it just more inviting for, for folks who usually have a harder time getting around. And, I mean, we'll keep, and do you follow up on Miracle No, Park? go ahead. We'll keep jumping. We got lots of projects sure. here going on in Rock <laughs> lucky Hill. Lucky you. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> lucky you. The, the perch at Oakland and Cherry, how did that come to be, and, and what's that going to look like? Sure. So as folks may remember, if they've driven past that intersection at Oakland and uh, Cherry Road, it's a pretty prominent intersection across from Winthrop University. It used to have an old gas station on it. There's, I think there's a beauty salon in one of the older buildings that was there that's been tore down since. And then the, it's actually uh, has a building on it that used to be the old Coca-Cola Coca bottling uh, plant. And they're actually preserving that Coke building. Um, and going to turn it into uh, part of their mixed-use development that will actually have uh, two buildings. One of them pulled up against the corner of Cherry and Oakland will be a two-story building. 
And then the other that's uh, on the other corner uh, at Cherry and um, College will have a, uh, that reused Coke building will have a single story but a higher roof uh, user in there. Um, so some of the users that we know about so far is um, Hobos. There's a, a restaurant chain that, or not chain, a restaurant that's in uh, Fort Mills downtown right now that's uh, going to be opening up their second location here. And then as part of that, the uh, brewery that's located across the street from them, uh, More Artists, is actually opening up a um, uh, a brewery here, and they're going to call that uh, Off the Track Brewing. And that's mm. part of the same founders of that uh, brewery in Fort Mill. Man, I feel like Dennis here at the city, he's the guy you want to know. Like, hey, hey, what's, I know, hey, what's what, coming, hey, what's Dennis? Going what's going on? on? Right? <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to get? Yeah, that's right. I got the know. I'm in the know. In the know. Uh, so Knowledge Park, big development here in Rock Hill, spans from Winthrop all the way to the downtown area, I know in the pictures, it's uh, a lot of a, a big circle, if you will. But what role did you guys play in that? Yeah, so Knowledge Park, it's not really a defined area. It's like you said, it's kind of like a bubble around yeah. Winthrop all the way to downtown. And so there's a lot of different like subgroups underneath this bubble. And, you know, everything from Winthrop itself, we have uh, University Center, which is a mixed-use development with our athletic complex and hotels and student housing and apartments and all kinds of things that will end up going there. We have uh, uh, the Thread development, which is adjacent to that, which is an old uh, distribution warehouse industrial building that's going to be repurposed into office and a lot of restaurant retail. Um, there, there's, uh, you know, challenges and other things as you get closer to the downtown with limited areas and parking and all that kind of thing. So as you get closer to the downtown, we have a, a shared parking management plan that a lot of the businesses buy into uh, or participate in anyway. Um, that, you know, if you go uh, to a place on Main Street, of course, they're not going to have a parking lot along Main Street, right? So they have to find places for people to park. And part of that is through um, public infrastructure for parking decks. Some of that's through the shared parking model. So. Um, depending on where you are, there's different requirements because some things are zoned differently, like we were talking about earlier, zoned downtown versus a master plan like the university center versus, you know, just more commercial zoning districts like the thread. Now, I want to ask you about one more that's not on here. I know before COVID happened, there were plans for a social house over on Oakland. Is that still in the works or is that gone through the cracks it's not and so that's a good point that you bring up because not everything that comes to our department that actually even gets approval ends up happening okay and that, that's that's actually more frequent than people think right so people could get all the way through plans and we approve them and they could be ready to shovel dirt and all of a sudden you know for some reason or another whether it's financing or whether somebody else had wanted to purchase the property or what have you it, it ends up not happening and in, in this case, this was a master plan to uh, redevelop several properties at the corner of Constitution and Cherry. And, and in this case, it just kind of fell through and, uh, and they never ended up uh, moving forward with the project. And so I think, you know, COVID and other things had something to do with it, but that's not always the case. And so I don't know exactly the, the ins and outs of it, but, but no, that's the, even though the, the master plan is approved and so someone else could pick that up in the future because it kind of runs with the land, um, that particular developer that was moving forward with it is is no longer doing so. Okay, and I don't know if I'm asking this for more so uh, me personally or the, <laughs> the community. We'll figure that out later, but does the city have a place where people can see, because I'm very curious of specifically different restaurants and stuff that are coming here, but where people can see what's being planned for development in the area kind of ahead of time? Yeah, so there's a couple ways that people can kind of be in the know. One of them, we do a monthly and an annual development uh, activity report. 
There's also a way to sign up for our planning commission and city council agendas. We do an email distribution list when those go out. Uh, and so you can go check it out before the meetings even, or even then participate in the meetings if you want to. So you can contact us to get on those distribution lists. There's also a, a, a permit activity interactive map on our planning and development page on our website. Um, they can get in touch social media and then they can stay in, uh, there's a whole stay informed section at the top of the city's website that'll, uh, help you keep informed with the things that are most important to you. But for development, it's uh, really just getting on those distribution lists. And if you want to get ahead of it and being able to comment on it, uh, those, that's the first place you'd get it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you, you can hop in your wingsuit now and fly away. Uh, <laughs> I wish have, I had one. <laughs> you've done your part. But thank you for joining us on today's yes, edition of, of CityCast. Thank you. Welcome back. We're now joined by Matthew Thomas, the Open for Business Program Coordinator for the City of Rock Hill. We're just flying on through the planning department. Uh, Matthew, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Before we get started with the questions, we got a lot of good stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, we want to get to know a little bit about you in a fun way and then a regular way. Uh, so we have, a, we have a fun question, and I think we... With the planning department, we figure you guys are more analytical folk. So our question is one that is is quite popular. Controversial. Um, controversial. Yes. Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> and walk me through your analytical process of determining why or why not. So I always think of sandwiches as being, as the bread being able to be separated. Okay. And... Unless your hot dog is falling apart, that's not the case. So I'm going to go with no. Okay. Now, to push back just a little bit, and this is a conversation I had the other day, uh, what about, you know, there are certain Philly cheesesteaks where it's kind of like the, I don't know if it's a hoagie or the, the bun that connects underneath. Would that sway you at all? Or is that not a sandwich? <laughs> I would say that if I was hungry for a sandwich, that would be a good, a good alternative. A good alternative. Okay. Okay. Well, there we go. There so we go. Hot dog, not a sandwich. You not heard a it sandwich. from Matthew here first. Per source. There we yep. go. Uh, there we go. How, how did you get to the city of Rock Hill and how long have you been working in your current position? So prior to working with the city of Rock Hill, I worked in real estate and property management and I was out of town at the time and wanted to get back to Rock Hill. I was born and raised here and found this opportunity with the city and applied and here I am. Um, I've been here for a little over five years. Awesome, do you like right. it? I really enjoy <laughs> it, yeah. The city is a great place to work, get to meet a lot of really great people and get to work with some really incredible people as well. And I know we'll get more into details later with questions, but I would assume your background in real estate helps you a lot with your position right now. Yes, it was, um, a really smooth transition being able to kind of speak with real estate agents on a daily basis and and understand their field as well so earlier in the podcast matthew and this is gonna this is gonna work out perfectly with you we referenced to eric uh that we were venturing this is not real of course this is not real but we were venturing to open a cookie restaurant i called it cookie palace i'm as the podcast has gone on i really hate the name it's not sitting well with me. So if we think of a new name during the podcast, I'm I'm all ears. But Cookie Palace for now, Ashley and I are looking to open a small business. Uh, what are our first steps to get this show on the road? Sounds good. Well, first of all, let me congratulate you with 
including the name Cookie in your business name. You'd be surprised how many businesses struggle to name their business and they think they've come up with a very creative name and they forget to include an adjective in the name of their business that tells people what they do. So <laughs> wow. A lot of a Good lot for of us. businesses Ooh, right. Yeah, a lot of businesses um, really struggle with marketing because people don't know what they do. So I would venture to say that Cookie Palace would sell cookies. So you're on the right track. <laughs> and th- and um, that's that's an important thing. It's when very you're important. Doing that? Yes. So business name and also business signage. Don't forget your signage needs to be very clear, easy to read from the road, and indicate what you do. So. What do you do in terms of opening a business? So what I've tried to do coming into this segment is to outline a five-step process for opening a business in Rock Hill. All right. I got my notes ready. Let's hit this number one. All right. (laughs) So number one is creating a business plan. Um, One of the resources that you can use for this, you can use the South Carolina Business One Stop, um, also the South Carolina Small Business Development Center. There's an office located here in Rock Hill at Winthrop University. Those services are free and they will help businesses create that essential roadmap for their business. This business plan is gonna be an evolving document that you're gonna use throughout the course of planning to open and even after you open to map out your um, projects and your success for about three to five years ahead. So it's gonna help you plan how much money is needed to start your business and what your pathway forward is going to be so when i show up to you you're going to look at me and say you want to open cookie palace where's your business plan not we're not going to demand that but if you have that business plan it's going to really help us understand your business and be able to guide you and and how detailed does it need to be initially to start technically it doesn't have to be very detailed we just need to know uh whether or not you're going to be selling online or you're going to have a retail storefront presence okay uh, some of those main details but the more that you can put into this before you come to the city the more successful and streamlined our regulatory process is going to be we want to help businesses succeed and that success is going to better the community as a whole and so if you've done your homework on the front end it's going to go really smoothly when you get to us. And you're trying to build the framework for what the business will look like a few years down the road, correct? Exactly. So and we're not going to demand that a business have a business plan, but right. these things are going to really drive a lot of the decision-making that you do, and they're going to really help you uh, make sound decisions financially and um projecting that business growth in the future step two yeah step All two. right <laughs> step two you want to choose your business structure and register your business name so there are some legal and tax ramifications to bi- different business structures and we're not going to be giving that advice to you that's not our role but it is important before you come to the city to think about are you going to be a sole proprietor or a general partnership and explain what those mean Okay, so in simple terms, a sole proprietor is you personally acting as your own business. Mm -hmm. You haven't set up a different legal entity that you will do business under. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, An attorney and or an accountant can give you the best advice on the legal and tax implications of different business structures. But knowing which structure you are 
is going to be important before you come to the city. So you've got sole proprietorships. These businesses, along with general partnerships, do not register with the Secretary of State. Um, so there's no necessity to do that beforehand. You can record a DBA with the county. That's a doing business as or a, an assumed name that you do business under. And then the limited partnerships, limited liability companies and corporations, they are required to register with the South Carolina Secretary of State, and that needs to be done before you apply with the city to open your business in Rock Hill. All right, so with the, these two first two steps, Cookie Palace, right? So we are not required to have a business plan, but it is heavily recommended. It shows that we know what we're doing. We come to you. We, we talk about our you know road to success, where we're going to be. We have our plan. Uh, that would be, I guess, a sole proprietorship. Well, it sounds like it's going to either be some sort of general partnership if you okay. and Ashley oh, okay. open it together, yes. or okay. you Good may point. you may have set up an LLC okay. that uh, demonstrates how your business is incorporated. And also, so I know Matthew kind of elaborated that we're not set on our name, so this might seem like a silly question, but this is pretty early in the process. What if I? What if we want to change the name? How difficult is that? A lot of businesses will set up a legal name that's different from the DBA that they end mm. up using. Okay. So this could be Matt and Ashley's Ventures LLC, and you don't yet know what your business name is going to be. Ah. At the point that you're ready to establish that name, then you could either use that as a DBA or potentially um, even set up a different it, entity for that. All right, so we got step one and step two, which is one is create a business plan, two, we're choosing our business structure, registering our name. What's step three? Step three is more of just an advisory step. You're going to need to learn about business law, regulations, and taxes. Um, there's a lot of businesses that come to us that haven't done this, and you can technically continue moving through the process without it, but it's going to be in your best interest for at least uh, some individual research on your own, or like I said earlier, getting that legal and tax advice from the professionals who are able to give that to you. Um, some examples would include uh, labor laws, um, environmental regulations, sales tax, local taxes. Um, there's also regulations on certain industries like construction. You have to have certain licenses and obviously doctors and attorneys and things of that are regulated in ways that we're all familiar with. But um, each business and each industry is different, and they need to understand those regulations before they come to us. Looks like looks like it's time for us to do our homework. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So for, I the, would assume... for the Cookie Palace, you're going to need to contact uh, the South Carolina Department of Health to discuss mm. food service mm -hmm. and what that will look like. They're going to want to know uh, what kind of equipment you're cooking with, what kind of ingredients, how you're storing your your food. Th those are all things that come into play. Is it pretty exciting for you to see, um, obviously firsthand, you're kind of the wall of defense there, to see what comes in and the small businesses that want to come here? Is it pretty exciting to you to see? It's very exciting. Often I am the first person to hear about certain new things in Rock Hill. So I'll get a phone call and it'll be from a developer and they're asking about a piece of land and they mention what they want to do there and I get pretty excited to know that a certain new thing is coming. Um, I remember probably two years ago, it was before COVID, um, 
it, Chipotle called and mentioned a particular property on Cherry Road that they were interested in, and I love eating at Chipotle. <laughs> Don't and, we all? Yes. And so I mentioned that to some of my coworkers, and none of them had heard about it. And I was like, yes, this is coming. <laughs> so I broke the news. Yeah. I have a friend that loves Chipotle as well, and I immediately texted them and said, hey, be on the lookout. <laughs> so we joked earlier that Dennis was the guy who was in the know. Maybe it's not Dennis. Maybe, maybe, it's maybe Matthew. Matthew's the guy who's yeah. in the know. <laughs> Dennis knows about a lot of the really big projects okay. more in detail than I do. But Matthew's our per source. Some yeah. of the smaller things, uh, renovating existing structures and newer businesses that are coming in that don't require a lot of that plan review, I may know more than Dennis on that. So yeah. are you at liberty to say if the Chipotle is still happening? Or s- I'm, I'm fairly certain it is. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news here right. on the CityCast. <laughs> right. So we know that we have homework now. Yeah. So we got a business plan, uh, business structure and name, and we got to go do our homework on some of this stuff. So that's right. one, two, three. What's four? Four is going to be some of these zoning and building code regulations. But some of the things that you may not um, have the details on, you can at least get some general information and be ready to present that uh, when you come to us. Um, that includes things like the cost to lease or purchase a property that you're interested in, um, whether or not your business fits in with the surrounding area, the compatibility of the surrounding uses. Traffic, um, will increase traffic help or hurt your business? It depends on the, the business type. Visibility, uh, do you need to be able to be seen from the road? Or would you prefer actually to be kind of tucked away in a place where you're not visible? What kind of signage do you need? How many parking spaces? Um, Handicap accessibility, number of restrooms, fire protection, uh, the cost to renovate or upfit. If you have some of those basic informations before you come to us, we're going to really be able to give you the best information that you need and help you move along in the process. So typically how long, probably the more information that the business has, the better, but about how long does this process take for a business? Uh, so for what we call low impact businesses where there's no change of use in the property, it was recently occupied and there's no permit required upgrades that are that are needed, this can really happen in a, a week or two. Oh, um, wow. it, okay. it can be really straightforward and quick. Um, for the more high impact businesses, um, those that are requiring permit required alterations or they are certain types of uses like assembly uses like churches um, or any type of assembly hall. Um, Those uses are typically going to take a little bit longer because the the requirements on them from both building and fire as well as zoning are are a little bit more specific and they're going to have to take a little bit more detail to address those. Awesome. awesome. Well, there you go. Thanks for joining us today, Matthew. Yes, thank, thank you. you. We're now joined by Eric Hawkins, Planning and Zoning Manager for the City of Rock Hill. Eric, how are you doing today? Good. Good. Cool. We are going to jump into the process that a developer takes when they're you know, you know trying to bring a development to life in the the different avenues they have to go through within the city. But before we do that, we want to ask you a bit of a fun question, get to know you just a little bit. So, uh. Would you rather have to always sit idle for 20 seconds when the light turns green or always have to drive 10 miles per hour under the speed limit? Always drive 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. And walk me through your rationale there. I want to I get a glimpse inside your brain. If you're sitting there 
after the light turns green, you're going to have a, a whole lot of people piled up behind you, mad at you. So I figured if I'm going, if at least I'm moving, it'll be a little less you don't upset deal with than, the road I'm, rage. than I'm just sitting there doing nothing. I guess you'd never be able to take highways then. You no, just always have no, to take, take the long the way. Route. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. good. But uh, and go ahead and tell us a little bit about you, how you began at the city, and maybe a little bit of background about yourself. Okay. Um, I've been with the city for a little over 23 years now. Um, started out as a planner one and uh, before coming to the city i'd worked over in lancaster county for three and a half years um so i've been here done a little bit of everything in the planning department um from transportation stuff to airport stuff to uh, plan review and uh, rezonings so a little bit of everything now have you always wanted to be a planner when you were a kid and you grew up where you're like <laughs> i want to be a planner i had no idea what a planner was until uh <laughs> i guess i was in high school or something and saw a rezoning sign near my uh house and wondered what the what in the world is that and then when i got in college i still you know wasn't really interested in it but took a planning class and became interested in it and kind of stuck with it ever since what was your uh what was your major College. Uh, community and regional planning. Oh, okay. Undergraduate and then city and regional planning in graduate school. And w- where was that at? I went to undergrad at Appalachian State and then Clemson for graduate school. So how did you get to Rock Hill? Um, I had a friend that worked here um, and told me about a job opening here, so interviewed for it and, and got it. So. Well, there you go. Well, we, we talked with Dennis about some of the planning projects that are going on in the city so the developer comes to the city or the planning department what happens first thing we're going to do is sit down and meet with the developer we've got a team of folks that cover zoning infrastructure transportation and building code stuff and we all sit down and meet with them talk about what we know about the property that they're looking at you know usually folks will have a piece of property in mind so we'll talk to them tell them everything we know about it whether it has utilities available any constraints that we're aware of you know floodplains and then we'll talk about what they want to do and whether it's allowed by the zoning the zoning the property currently has and if not what the process would be if it's something we could support rezoning for and then we'll also talk about the city's development design standards and our review process what it's going to take for them to get from where they are to the final product and where they want to be what are some of those restraints you said and all that stuff but we're here we don't yeah we don't know a thing about it what are some of the restraints that might be on a property there could be environmental constraints like floodplains creeks wetlands bad soils rock and stuff it just makes it harder to develop a property and get the utilities in the ground so those are some of the main things that people run into just trying to figure out how to get the utilities of the site sometimes it's road conditions there's certain areas of town that have major traffic problems particularly Selenese Road and the areas around Selenese Road so that that can constrain what people can do with their property because council isn't interested in adding a whole lot of new traffic onto Selenese Road there's a variety of things (laughs) do you have a a, by chance a practical example of of a I don't, want to, I don't know if you call it a case or what you call yeah, it, yeah. Of, of an example, whether it be a Walmart or a local development yeah. that you remember that you can kind of walk us through how that came to be. With a Walmart, for example, the one up in Newport, that one had to go through a whole annexation rezoning process. 
and and re- real quick when you say annexation and real rezoning what is the quick synopsis of what that means annexation is when there's a property that's in the county but they want access to city utilities they normally have to annex into the city in order to get access to the city utilities so that property has to be annexed into the city and rezoned to a city zoning district so the walmart with yeah. the yeah with the walmart for example um, that one kind of had to go through the whole process kind of the lengthiest processes we have for a development like that and that one only took about seven months to get from when they first o- really <laughs> really yeah. started talking to us until they got a grading permit to start grading the site which is pretty quick for a big project like that so walmart had the property they come to you they say hey we want to build a walmart here yep. and then you guys said something along the lines of what well here's the process we need to go through i'll talk about the different processes a little bit and the longest potential process so Mm. we kind of cover everything first would be that annexation and rezoning that that's something that starts with planning commission they have a public hearing on it and then it goes to city council city council makes the final decision and they have to vote on it at two separate meetings so we have to do a public notice before it goes to planning commission before the public hearing is held planning commission holds that public hearing that's about a three-month process roughly and then once once they get the property in the city and zoned correctly to allow what they want to do then for a commercial development they go through the major site plan process that's just kind of the overall plan showing what they want to do how they lay out the roads driveways how they're going to get utilities to the site and that has to go to the planning commission for approval that's just a one-time approval by planning commission to make sure it meets all the city's design standards for the layout and then once that's approved then they go into the civil construction plan stage which is all of the detailed plans of how they're going to grade the property how they're going to install the water and sewer lines, how they're going to handle the stormwater. I mean, it's all of the nitty-gritty details, how the parking lot's laid out and striped and everything. So uh, that's the real detailed plans. And then once those are approved, they can normally start grading on the site and start doing some site work. And while they're starting that process, we're reviewing their building plans. The building plans are just for the buildings themselves. Sometimes they'll come in at the same time as the civil construction plan. Sometimes they come in a little bit afterwards. So once the building plans are approved, then they can start going vertical and actually building the the buildings. So we do our inspections. Our building inspectors inspect all of that stuff throughout the building process. And then once once all of their site work is complete, all the utilities are in, then they have to submit as-built drawings to us. And then the building can continue until it's finished. If it's a residential subdivision, that's a little different instead of a major site plan it's called a preliminary plat that they go to the planning commission with first before they can get started they do the preliminary plat then they do the construction plans they start the grading they put in all of the roads water sewer and once they're complete with that then we do a final plat that's just reviewed by staff and when the final plat is done and recorded that actually creates the lots that the houses get built on so they can't start building any houses until all of that infrastructure is put in place and then they can come in and pull building permits for the houses what is the success rate or the pass rate because obviously these have to be approved by either the planning commission or council right how often do you see it not get approved not a whole lot and people probably wonder why you know it seems like council approves most everything that goes to them a lot of that is because we kind of weed it out before it gets to them part of our job is to give people all the information that we have and let them know what to expect 
So if we know there's a proposal that just has very little chance of getting approved, we let people know that. We let people know what our concerns are, what we've heard from council, and what we think they're going to be up against as they go through that process. And a lot of the... Anything big that we're missing. One of the things we may not have touched on is some of the obstacles that developers run into. And mm -hmm. we talked about some of the constraints on the property. But just some other things that can be a challenge as they're going through the process is, is neighborhood opposition. A lot of times the, the neighbors will get involved with the proposal and ask for things that kind of go above and beyond what the city's requirements are. So the developers will sometimes have to deal with that. And then there's different mechanisms. Sometimes they'll end up having to go through what we call a master plan process so they can memorialize things like larger buffers than what the city would normally require between an existing development and their new development. They memorialize road improvements that we need to see done or the council wants to see done. Just a variety of things that could kick them into that longer master plan process well eric your time in the hot seat is up all right <laughs> great thank you for joining yes, us thank you thanks for listening to the rock hill city cast episodes are available each week to stream on soundcloud spotify google and apple podcasts to keep up with city of rock hill information follow us on social media